You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Hey, this is Elder Sign, host of Cycle Realms on WMF Tampa 88.5 FM, and RPA presents Terry's Mysterious Moment. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 2, Episode 1. When last we met, I was talking about some mysteries from the First and Second World Wars. I would like to continue on with this subject for this show and discuss some more strange situations stemming from and occurring during the World Wars. Anyway, welcome listeners, new and old. The concept of the Bermuda Triangle is a very old one in the niche of strange and mysterious storytelling. And well, it should be. Mysterious disappearances of ships, boats, and aircraft are well known to have occurred within the confines of the so-called Bermuda Triangle also referred to as the Devil's Triangle. In 1964, a man named Vincent Gaddis wrote in the magazine article Argosy of the boundaries of the Triangle. He named San Juan, Puerto Rico, Miami, Florida, and the island of Bermuda as the three points of the triangular area off the coast of Florida and into the Caribbean. Although there have been other writers who have varied the parameters of the triangle to match their particular beliefs. I have seen the area as large as from the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico to the area southwest of the British Isles and back down to a point northeast off of the country of Brazil in South America. 
That covers a lot of territory. So in that way of thinking, just about anything that happens in the Atlantic Ocean, the North Atlantic, would be because of the Bermuda Triangle. Well, we both know, or we all know, that that's probably not true. There may be some unexplained reasons for these ships and planes to go missing. But, you know, who knows what it is. There are theories that UFOs cause them. There are theories that storms at sea, freak storms, cause them. The, the, the boats, the ships, are sometimes said to have been sunk by what are called rogue waves and those things actually exist so i'm not saying it's not happening but it's an it's an idea and i believe that every writer that changes the perimeters of the triangle do so because they believe that certain events are part of it so for instance, if a ship sinks just inside the Gulf of, of Mexico off the coast of Yucatan, well, that's the Devil's Triangle they did it. Okay. Moving on. Because the Devil's Triangle is not really part of the story, it's just where this particular incident happened. Many of the stories result, related to the mysterious qualities of the triangle have been enhanced, shall we say, for mysterious interest. Interest. Some stories have been creatively edited to leave out certain facts so as to make the stories more interesting. Take, for instance, the story of Flight 19, the illustrative case of the Devil's Triangle. The five, uh, I think there were TBM Avengers, it took off out of Florida on a training mission out over the water with a variously described as unskilled or unfamiliar new commander of the group. Now, according to some people, the radio, uh, radio chatter coming back from the planes was that they were lost. They couldn't tell what was up, what was down. Their, their uh, compasses were going crazy. Uh, the sky doesn't look right, and, and just all kinds of mysterious comments. And when people who were actually in the, the tower listening to the radio are interviewed, they say, no, it didn't happen exactly that way. They knew where they were, they or they said they knew they where they were, and they never reported anything untoward happening. But, you know, stories get around. And thus I say that's where the interest part of it comes in. But you know, some scientists have actually looked at some of the, the losses of the ships and, and looked at it from a scientific point of view. So, you know, they want to see, we know we lost the ship, let's find out why. And one of their theories, I don't know if it's really good or just really strange, but... They say that uh, apparently from the seabed, sometimes there is a massive release of methane gas, which rises to the surface, and it it's like an aerator in a, a fish tank. The water 
where the bubbles are coming up doesn't have the buoyancy needed or the I'm sorry they don't the surface tension is broken so the buoyancy of the ship suffers and I don't have the right way to to word it but that's basically what happens the ships become unsailable they, they're they're unfloatable and they sink and they sink quickly because basically all they're on is air and the ship sinks well that's a very simple description like I said of the research and, and this research was done in Australia where they set up tanks to, to show this particular incident and I'm at a loss because I don't study the damage that happens when the ocean floor farts and I don't know what happens to international shipping when that happens so we'll move on and having given that intro into the triangle let's get on with the story at hand sometime after March 18th March 4th sorry sometime after March 4th 1918 the incident resulting in the single largest loss of life in the history of the US Navy not related to combat occurred when the Collier which is a coal carrying ship the Cyclops AC4 which was carrying a full load of manganese ore and which questions raises the question maybe it was an overload of that ore and with one engine out of action could be a determining factor there went missing without a trace with its crew of 309 men after departing the island of Barbados she had made an unscheduled stop in Barbados because the water level was over Plimsoll line that's an indication that they were overloaded however back before they left Rio de Janeiro the investigation was completed that they were okay and everything was secure and you know that went into the report of the loss of the ship say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Although there is no strong evidence for any single theory, many independent theories exist. Some blame storms. Some blame capsizing of the ship with the shifting of the load. Apparently, manganese ore, um, when it's loaded, allows a lot of air because apparently this stuff does not settle down against itself. So it leaves air pockets. And sometimes it can shift and another thing was that what I read said that manganese ore if water gets into it can turn into a slurry basically a, a mud and if it did that if and the ship is rocking on the ocean the mud could have tilted the ship more to one way or the other and could have dumped the ship over most of the uh, 
ideas blame or suggest that wartime enemy activity was to blame for the loss, although the German authorities at the time and afterwards denied any knowledge of the Cyclops being attacked, sunk, or taken prisoner. There are some interesting facts regarding the Cyclops, actually regarding their, its sister ships. There were three other ships of the Proteus class, the USS Proteus, which was AC-9, and it was sold to Canada, to the Canadian Merchant Navy, in March of 1941, World War II, and was lost at sea without a trace, probably in or near the Caribbean Sea, sometime after November 25th, 1941. Second ship to go down in the triangle. The USS Nereus, N-E-R-E-U-S, AC-10, was sold to the Aluminum Company of Canada after on 27 February 1941. She was lost without a trace after departing St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands on December 10th, 1941, with a load of ore, much the same. Both ships were transporting heavy loads of metallic ore similar to that which was loaded on the Cyclops during her fatal voyage. In all three cases, it is supposed that structural failure due to overloading with a much denser cargo than designed because coal can get heavy but it's still a relatively light thing is considered to be the most likely cause of the sinking there was just too much weight on board and the ships fell apart the fourth of the ships the USS Jupiter AC3 was converted to an aircraft carrier between 1920 in 1922 and was recommissioned as the USS Langley, the CV-1. Langley was the first American aircraft carrier and was vital in developing United States naval aviation capabilities. She was converted again between 1936 and 1937 as a seaplane tender and redesignated as AV-3. She was stationed in the Philippines in December of 1941 and departed for Australia following the Japanese attacks on Pearl Harbor and the Philippines. On February 27, 1942, while ferrying fighter planes to Southeast Asia, she was attacked by Japanese aircraft and hit by five bombs causing critical, critical damage. When her surviving crew members were rescued, the Langley was then scuttled by torpedoes fired by her escorting destroyers. Strange fates for a quartet of ships, all of a particular class. Although we do have one in the Pacific and three in the Atlantic, but three disappeared in the fairly the same area. Interesting. Another World War I mystery ship is the Zabrina. The Zabrina was a schooner rigged, three-masted sailing barge of 189 tons, built in 1873 at Whitstable, or originally intended to trade on the River Plate in South America. She was discovered aground on the coast of France 
in October of 1917 with their crew missing. Now, how'd she get from South America to France? Well, obviously, on the outset of war, she was called back into service in the Great British area, Great Britain area. So she was carrying ore back and forth between France and England. The Zabrina sailed from Falmouth in October of 1917, commanded by a Captain Martin with a cargo of Swansea coal for Saint-Brigue, France. And I'm sorry if you're from France and I destroyed that name. I'm from Texas. Two days later, she was found ashore on Roselle Point, south of Cherbourg, without damage except for some disarrangement of her rigging, but without her crew. At the time, her crew was assumed to have been taken off by a German Unterseeboot, a U-boat, preparatory to the submarine sinking the vessel by gunfire. The U-boat presumably sighted or was sighted by an Allied vessel and departed the scene before she could sink the Zabrina and was and could possibly have been later sunk herself with the crew of the Zabrina aboard. The final resting place of the Zabrina was Velder Creek, which is an inlet of Langstone Harbor in Portsmouth. No other information about the crew was ever found out. That's why they think maybe they were taken off by a U-boat and then the U-boat was attacked and sunk. So no information could have gotten out. The next story is from also from World War I. And it came to light in July of 1916 when a landlord in the community of either Sincota, which is C-I-N-K-O-T-A, or Chinkota, a town nearby and now part of Budapest, Hungary, led some soldiers onto the property of one Bela Kish in search of gasoline. It seems that Kish had reportedly started storing metal cans on his property, large barrels, and told the landlord it was for gasoline because he figured that with the war coming, gasoline would be rationed so he wanted to be ahead of the game well come the outset of the war 1914 Belakish was inducted into the Hungarian army as a soldier so the landlord was taking care of his property while he was gone the landlord took the soldiers to the barrels because they needed gasoline and he poked a hole in one of the barrels but the smell wasn't gasoline he said that it was the smell of death. When it was investigated, there were 24 bodies found both in the barrels and around the property in the house of Bella Kish. When the investigation broadened, the bodies of the women sealed inside the metal drums were found to have been strangled and pickled in alcohol. If this weren't unsettling enough, each of the bodies had puncture wounds on their necks and the bodies were drained of blood. Was Kish a vampire? Perhaps. There was that supposition. But what Kish was in actuality was a con man and a lady killer, literally. After his wife left him, he began corresponding with women, either offering the possibility of marriage 
or presenting himself as a fortune teller. And he would also get money from these women. Uh, I don't know if it's for the fortune telling or maybe to set up to become their husband. I don't know. Kish was a tinsmith by trade and an amateur astrologer who was fond of occult practices. He was a twice married man whose second wife had apparently left him for a lover and was the father of two children. He had a housekeeper and she said, told police that she knew very little about the women who came to the house because there was no interaction between she and them because she was told to stay out of it, stay out of the way. She didn't know what happened to any of the women that came to the house. Well, upon finding out that they had a monster in their midst, the police in Budapest sent word to the military to arrest and hold Kish if he were still alive. Because remember, this is two years into the, the First World War, which were some of the bloodiest fighting uh, times. Uh, he could have been killed in battle or maybe taken a prisoner at this time. It was discovered that Kish was indeed alive, but he was injured and recuperating in a Serbian hospital. The police from Budapest arrived too late. Kish had swapped the body of a dead soldier for himself and had disappeared. Now, over the years, various sightings of Kish failed to pan out. It was reported that a man said that a fellow soldier in the French Foreign Legion, and he called himself by a different name, but it was a name that Kish had used in the correspondence with the ladies, that this man had said he was an expert with the garrote, which is a way to strangle people with a rope, and apparently could prove it. So this man said that that was Bela Kish. But before they could get there, he was gone. There were rumors that he was also in prison in Romania for having committed burglaries, or that he had even died in Turkey of yellow fever. Well, all of those leads panned out didn't pan out, I'm sorry. They were false. They, they didn't lead anywhere. Not that they were false, they just didn't work. The last known sighting of Bela Kish occurred in New York City in 1932. In 1932, homicide detective New, uh, Henry Oswald was certain he had seen Kish coming out of the New York City subway at Times Square in Manhattan. There were also rumors that Kish was living in the city and working as a janitor. But these could not be verified. When the police went to interview the janitor, he was already gone, once again staying ahead of justice. So, what happened to the vampire Bella Kish? No one seems to know. It seems that when he disappeared from New York, he really disappeared. Many mysteries abound in wartime. Some can be explained eventually, but some remain in the twilight of inexplicability. Personally, I wish war wasn't an option for settling differences, but there it is. It seems to be the only answer to some people. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe found something interesting. Good night for now, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.